This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play. Whether you lose, you turn the page. Whether you win, you got to turn the page. You know, every game's got its own sort of storyline battle going into it. Kind of takes on a life of its own. I think both teams probably going to put that game in the past. Obviously, there's some good things that we did we can uh, learn from. And But in saying that, I think it's, it's going to be a totally different game tomorrow. And both teams are going to, you know, be fighting for it. Maybe literally and figuratively. And Luke Shen would be the guy that would... Be more than willing to throw down if that happens tonight in Game 6 with the Lightning. Having an opportunity to go back to the Stanley Cup Finals if they're able to get a win tonight against the Islanders. We're going to have that coverage for you throughout. Of course, I am Greg Lanelli along with Dave Michigan. Steve Ersnick is our producer. We go till 1 o'clock. Scott Lachlan from SiriusXM NHL Radio joins us at 12.15. We'll talk to Scotty about this series what has he seen so far from these two teams? And also, too, what's going on with Vegas and Montreal? I think Yeah, Montreal, what is going on with Vegas and Montreal? Shockingly. It's like the Game 3 loss for Vegas. I know they won Game 4, but it almost feels like they are completely flummoxed about how to play Montreal because they have been outplayed in the last two games, and they were fortunate to win Game 4. The one thing you about can make Montreal, the argument Montreal was fortunate to win Game Three, but yeah, like Vegas tilted the ice so much for much of the first three games, and they've just been unable to do it the last two. It's a it's a hard, you know. We let, let's bring this back to the Islanders. Yeah, and I didn't Tampa want to Basers. spend the whole show no, on no, it, but no, no, I think you, you bring up a valid point. But it's hard to play that high a level through a seven game series. We saw that against uh, the Islanders. Well, and you have talked game. about. Like between a structured team and a team that can that can make plays, you're like usually you would want to take the team that make can make plays. Or how did you frame it, Greg? Like you feel the team that that can make plays can create more problems for the structured team than the other way around. But that is not what is happening in that Montreal Vegas series. Yeah, and not that know, Montreal can't make plays, but they're getting like they're getting a breakaway. Montreal's- they're getting breakaways every game, and if they're not burying the shot, like last night, Kakaniemi yeah. scores on a rebound. Didn't Cole F- Caulfield score on a breakaway last night too? Yeah. So I mean, when Vegas is having breakdowns, they are having huge breakdowns. And Montreal's like, "Thank you very much. Okay, we got our lead now. We're going to d up." Well, the thing is, too, you know, we talk about momentum. So what do you do when you've got some momentum on your side? And I think you saw that last night with Montreal. I mean, they were able to get a multi-goal lead yeah. on Vegas before Vegas was able to settle down. I mean, they, they, they're up 3 nothing before Pacioretty gets that goal 4-0-9 to make a 3-1. But at that point, the way Carey Price has been playing, yeah, you might be able to lock that down. So it's what you do with that momentum that is so key. Getting a multi-goal lead is huge. And the other thing, too, for Vegas, and I confess, I haven't watched... Especially on the road. Yes. Like, I think Vegas is a team, they can feed off, it's kind of like the Islanders, but they can feed off their crowd's energy. In the two yeah. games that Montreal has won in Vegas, they've jumped out to 3 nothing leads. Yep. Well, Sorry, go ahead. Th- no, no, it, there, there's a couple of things that are sticking out for me in this game, in, in this series. And again, I confess, I haven't watched every single minute, but from... Me too. They're a little late for my liking well, when the yeah. clock starts. I, I, I'm in bed. I'm in bed pretty early. Uh, we need to get our rest on our off nights. I tell you what, I was exhausted the last night, but that's just uh, where we are uh, with with the series. And then, of course, you got two little ones who are, you know, five and, and two. And, and By the way, I want you to finish your thought, but let me just tell you, yeah, wasn't the game the other night 
didn't that seem to take a really long time? It did. Like the game ended. I know there was the the injury to Ruda at the end of the second, so they didn't start the intermission clock right away, and there was the scrum at the end of the game. But my wife and daughter came to the game and, and were driving home. I'm like, man, it's late. And then we're literally like a mile from the house, train. Oh, train. Tracks for That's like hilarious. 10 minutes. I'm like, thanks, CSX. Thanks a lot. Unbelievable. I got home at 1 o'clock. And You're on a little later than me. Well, and course, it, I don't but. know about you. It takes me a little bit to go to bed after a game. I just, I can't, uh, just, I think you have to, you know, settle it down a bit. And that drive home's nice. You know, I'll put on a podcast and just kind of decompress. Yeah. You're still driving. You, still you don't put focus. on lightning power play to hear the replay. What does Steve play after the last call? I do that in the, the morning. The last call replay? No, we <laughs> replay the game. We replay the oh, game. Oh, you replay the game. game. Okay. Yeah. 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 I confess, I'm not listening at at that. I'm yeah. usually at I usually wake up to bed. it. No, <laughs> yeah, is that your <laughs> is that your wake up alarm? It's not really no. an alarm. It just no, pops you know, on. You know who my wake up alarm is? My two year old. That's true. <laughs> that's, but that's you know, your two year old, if if she happens to get up at three o'clock in the morning, you can put on lightning power play. You know, it's twenty four seven. When we give them baths sometimes, and I'm up there with my wife, I'll just to to make them chuckle i'll put on power play and they'll hear my voice and then they immediately stop talking they go dad is that you and i go yeah that's me you know how it is by the way you got a lot of love in quest for the cup have you had a chance to watch i I have gone back and listened to it that is very cool that is and they're using a lot of our audio they're losing they love lightning pregame they every game in the series i think they've teed up with with you and they've had one with kaylee we were talking about blake coleman's birth of his uh second child which was a lot of fun so yeah that, i hey, think the look. play-by-play determines like which yeah, which radio calls they're going to use is contingent on which team won the game which point. i get yeah but steve and i were talking last year's quest for the cup they used a lot of the national calls this year they're using a lot of the local radio play-by-play calls good which is good yeah why not for sure so that's cool Anyway, um, you were talking about Vegas, Montreal. So two things, I started two things standing about out. My Special, home. No, that's okay. Special teams has been a big deal in that series. The the Canadians, they're twenty eight for twenty eight on the penalty kill. They've allowed During, three power play goals the whole playoffs. Yeah, they haven't allowed a power play goal in their last twelve. So they're twenty eight for twenty eight in that. To that point, Vegas has been awful, which is surprising because they have some guys who can score. I mean, Marcheseau, Stone, Pacioretty, in addition to what they have on the back, and they're 0 for 13 on the power play, and they looked really bad. And that's one of the things the guys were saying on on the the broadcast. The other thing, too, that Montreal reminds me a little bit of the Islanders, because I think they do play really hard. I I don't think that's ever been an issue with Montreal, if if Price stays healthy, but you know what they're getting? I don't know if these guys are going to be superstars, you know, moving forward, but... (laughs) You feel like they have some younger players who have some upside that can complement the Gallagher's, the Weber's on the back end. I mean, they have some decent pieces there. But, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Caulfield is yeah. somebody that may be a game changer for them down the road. Suzuki. And they're doing this with all of them. I like all- Suzuki a lot. Who was it that we had on? It might have been Scott. I don't know if we asked Scott this question. It was somebody from Canada who covers the league nationally. I'm guessing it was either Scott or Nick Alberga. Mm-hmm. But I remember asking the question. This was fairly early in the regular season, and we were talking about the North Division because whoever our guest was is from Canada. Mm-hmm. And I asked our guest if if he felt that Montreal's run in the playoffs in the bubble last year, which, remember, 
the only reason they got to the bubble is that they expanded the field of teams because mm-hmm. they would not have made the playoffs otherwise. But they they had a good run in the bubble. They beat Pittsburgh. They gave Philly a really good series after that. And I asked him, like, how much would that experience benefit these players who otherwise would not have had the playoff experience, right? Had it been mm-hmm. a regular finish to the regular season with no pandemic, no pause, Montreal would have missed the playoffs. And, and the guest felt that it definitely benefited those guys and we're seeing it this year whether it's Kakaniemi or Suzuki Caulfield was not on their team last year but when you mentioned their younger players like that helped them last year and they're playing much the same way that they did when they had success in the bubble last year which is d up get a lead d up and lock it down they play hard and now they're complementing that structure with guys who I think can fill the net. And make no mistake, they got a couple of veteran guys who have been decent goal scorers throughout their careers that have had a resurgence this year. Yeah, Corey you, you Perry. Need, you need that. You know, well, Corey Perry, Tyler Toffoli, and Josh Anderson. Yeah. I mean, Dave, those are three guys. And Eric guys. Stahl, who scored a big goal. Yeah, and he's playing on what? On their fourth line. But, I mean, now you have some veteran guys. A couple of them maybe are exceeding expectations in terms of what maybe you thought you were going to get at the beginning of the year. You've got... You know, Brendan Gallagher, who I've always liked, he always plays hard. You've got guys like, you know, Byron, who, you know, are doing really good things for that team. You've got a back end that's pretty good, led by Shea Weber. And now Carey Price is healthy. So this could be one of those things where maybe Montreal, out of the remaining four teams, isn't the best. But maybe they're playing as well as they have. Well, they have buy-in for sure. And when you think about it, Greg... They have won playoff games over the last two postseasons under four different, we'll call it head coaches, because Claude Julien was in the bubble, and then he had the heart issue, right? Yeah, that's right. And Kirk Muller took over, mm-hmm. and they definitely, they definitely won at least one game with Kirk Muller. I think Julian had his health problems in the Philadelphia series, but Montreal – was down 3-1. They won the fifth game to, to yeah. extend it to six, and they lost in six. And this year, Dominic Ducharme was behind the bench after taking over for Claude Julian, and he got COVID. So now Luke Richardson has led them to 2-1, two, 2? When did he take over? He took over when they Couple got the series ago. back to two Montreal, games, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, so he was behind the bench for their wins in game three and five. So that just goes to show that whatever the system is that they put in place, and I don't think we had a huge change between the coaches because Montreal is playing much the same way that the Canadians did when they had success in the bubble last year. Like, there's buy-in. There's buy-in from the players. Yeah, for sure. a big part of it. No doubt. Series isn't gotta... over. I mean, Vegas has to have a response, though. They do. And, you know, speaking of responses, I think we're all interested to see what the Islanders response yes, will be. Yes, let's bring it back to our series. Well, it'll be interesting here. to see what it'll be tonight. I hear a lot of people, Dave, and when I say here, let's mean, you know, on Twitter, you're reading whether it's writers or just fans in general. Twitter can about, be loud enough that it, it sometimes sounds like a voice. It does, even though it's a small portion of the actual population out there. Yeah. I do think... I do think the Islanders are going to have a better response just because they have to. Somebody asked me the question, it was Bob, you know, do the Islanders have any trick up their sleeves this year? And I said, or the, for this game, and I said, 
the only trick up their sleeve is going to be the fact that they have one more game in game six to right the ship after what happened in game five. The, what does they he have, mean by what does he mean by a trick up their sleeve? Well, you know, maybe line changes, or they got to oh, try okay. and think systematically to to change things up. I look, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm assuming no. I don't know if there's going to be a goaltending change. I don't know why you would. Varlamov is the guy. But what I was what I said to him was the fact that they're. Their adjustment is the fact that they have a game six to lean on now because it's do or die for them. We know that. But they're going to be much better than they were yeah. in game five if just their adjustment, the law of averages. Their adjustment is play better. Absolutely. That's Which what it was kind of like what we said about the lightning, especially after game four, but after game one, too. Yes, for sure. But like, here's play the, the way you play, but but play it better. Here's the difference. In In, in earlier in the series... You've got a few more games where you know if you have a bad if you have a bad game you can maybe make it up in the next couple and still not feel eliminated or be eliminated. I think the Lightning and we know their record closing out games, particularly with Andre Vasilevsky and Nets. I think maybe what has been different in the series earlier when a team has played poorly and then you expect them to to be better uh, the next game. I don't think that's going to happen with the Lightning. The Lightning had a really good game, Game 5, but I think their compete level is going to be on par for Game 6. Now, I know that's that's more of a guess. You're asking, well, Greg, how do you know that? I, I don't, but I do know the circumstances are different. The Lightning know they have an opportunity to clinch. You don't have that earlier in the series because you know you have more games coming down the line. The Lightning understand that. They know if they win tonight... They play for the Stanley Cup final. They also know that the Islanders are going to bring their best, which I think is going to force the Lightning, and I don't think they're going to have a problem with this anyways. But if you did, the other team's emotion should pull you into it if not on par but very similar to what um, their emotion should be for this game. And that's why I think you're going to see a really good game from both teams tonight. At least that's my hope. Well, look, we've referenced that 2018 series, and and I was thinking about it. I count 12 players on this year's Lightning team who were on the roster and played in the 2018 series against Washington. There are some who played in the 2016 series, but far more played in the 2018 series. And this one more mirrors the 2018 series because the Lightning had game six on the road in that series. And, and my hope is, whether they win or don't win tonight, that they go out and try and get this game. And they are not reactive. They are proactive, understanding that you know, there are points within a game, as, as we have talked about often on our show, that the other team makes a push and the other team has a surge. I am gonna make, I'm going to make another reference to last year's playoff because I think it's interesting to think about this. The Lightning had... They had one, two, three, four, five, six games where they had a chance to eliminate the opponent in the bubble last year. Because you want to, like, how does a team react when it's facing elimination? And then how do the Lightning act and react when they have a chance to eliminate the opponent? So in the first two rounds, they beat Columbus and Boston on the, the first crack to eliminate the opponent. But I would make the argument that those were two of the worst games the Lightning had, at least in those two series. Mm -hmm. Those were not particularly great performances, especially yeah. the Columbus game. That was that game where the Lightning had one of their worst periods in the entire playoff run in the second period. 
and Vasilevsky was completely under siege, and Shattenkirk and Sorelli scored in the third to force overtime, and, and then Braden Point won it in overtime. And even in that game five against Boston, I remember after that game, which Hedman won the game in, in double overtime, the Bruins came out of that game saying that was the way we needed to play more throughout the series, and yeah. we didn't. The next two chances the Lightning had in a game five to eliminate the opponent they lost, but I actually feel they played better. <laughs> they played better against the Islanders in game five and against Dallas in game five than they did in those other two game five situations in that they really took took the play to the other team for long stretches, and they ended up losing in double overtime in, in both those games. That can happen. So it's almost like if you want to say they, they got the hang of like – you have a chance to finish off your opponent, do it. And they've done it twice this year. Now, they lost game five in Florida. But the second crack, they got it done, and they did it on the first chance against Carolina. So, again, as we talk about this team maturing and going through different situations and, and learning from, from past experiences, I hope they treat this game with the same level of urgency that they know they're going to get from their opponent. It's hard It's hard to eliminate your opponent, but it's hard for the opponent to stave off elimination multiple times, mm-hmm. which is why usually the first time they are really geared up to stave off elimination, which is why it's, it's very rare to see a team rally from 3-0 down or even 3-1 down because you're asking that team that has to rally to win not just one, not just two, but three or more. Well, the Islanders are, are only down 3-2. This is their first crack to stave off elimination. I think the Lightning have to be ready for that. But if 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 recent history is any indication, they should be. They should be ready for that. Scott Lachlan from Sirius XM NHL Radio joins us next. We're going to talk to him about this series and the one going on between Vegas and the Canadians. He's Dave Mishkin. I am Greg Lanelli. So glad you're with us here as we're getting you set for Game 6 tonight on Lightning Power Play. Hey, it's Seth Kushner from The Block Party, and this week we went deep in the playoff archives and pulled out 2011 playoff hero Dwayne Roly Rollison. Roly comes on the podcast. He just moved back to Tampa. We talk about his kids playing hockey now. He talks about a special drill he started doing with Stamkos when he first got to town and how he would chirp Victor Hedman almost every single day in practice. That's The Block Party with Seth Kushner featuring Dwayne Rollison out now wherever you get your podcasts. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. We've got Game 6 tonight between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders. Of course, the Lightning looking to go back to the Stanley Cup Final for the second consecutive year. Greg Linnelli with you, along with Dave Mishkin. Steve Ersnick producing and joining us right now, a good friend of the program, Scott Lachlan from SiriusXM. NHL Radio. Scotty, great to be with you again, and I'm curious your initial thoughts so far of this series between Tampa Bay and New York. It's been competitive, and I'm I'm not sure it's been completely surprising. I think when both teams have played their best, whether it's structure for the Islanders or whether it's speed and tenacity for the Lightning, they've come out winners. Yeah, it's been a very compelling series to me, guys, up until at least a couple of nights ago when when we saw just something that was obviously 
slanted heavily in favor of the home team in Tampa Bay, just taking over early and often, as it turned out. And we saw an Islanders team really get away, Greg, from that structure that you allude to uh, in the opening period especially, and they just never really could catch up and make it even somewhat competitive. So that was a one-off, I'm thinking, for the New York Islanders. Uh, I think Tampa Bay would certainly realize that as well, especially with the pedigree that they've got and, and having been through it before now and having had success uh, for a couple of years now running when it comes to postseason play. So uh, a couple of nights ago, it became less compelling for obvious reasons, uh, but I think that tonight there's going to be the expected pushback from the New York Islanders. They're not quite sure whether or not this will be their last home game ever at the Coliseum. The fan base hoping that that's not the case, but reality might suggest otherwise. Again, Tampa Bay is full value for this series lead, but it has been intriguing from game to game to see how things kind of change up a little but over the years, when it comes to playoffs in general, from one game to the next, I think sometimes you're left looking for momentum, uh, and sometimes momentum can change on a dime. We'll see if the Islanders can, can push back a little bit tonight to make it a, a little bit tighter. I don't want to look back, like everybody has said, Scott, to, to game five and, and try and take too much out of that. But I, I do have a question for you because I'm curious, because I've heard from the Islanders about, like, we didn't play well. We got out of our structure. We turned pucks over. And, you know, I understand that, that that's their takeaway from it. But I look at least at the, the two goals the Lightning scored in the first period that were off neutral zone turnovers. And I'm not sure what else Pellick on the first goal and Pollock on the third goal could have done. Like, Kalorn is all over Pellick there. And it leads to a turnover. And Stampkos is all over Pollock and then makes a play to, to create a two-on-one. I guess I'm wondering, like, how much of what happened in Game 5 was the Islanders having turnovers and how much of it was the Lightning were just executing at such a high level that the Islanders could not could not avoid turnovers? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, look, Dave, I'm a, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, okay? So when they played the Buffalo Bills in early 1993 at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, I think the Cowboys forced nine Bills turnovers in that 52-17 to romp. And I've heard over the years, well, if it wasn't for the nine turnovers, things could have been different. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, what, did they just hand it over to you? Uh, you know, did, did not one team like the Dallas Cowboys have to force those turnovers? To your point, I mean, the Lightning made them make the mistakes, uh, they didn't do it willingly. They're not going to do it willingly. Tampa Bay, I think, really were the aggressors from the outset. Boy, does it help, especially for Steven Stamkos, who, as you know, guys down there, has been questioned. And, and I wondered going into that game the other night just exactly where he was at because with one assist in his previous five games, one point in five games, and coming off a game in which he played just over 12 minutes, you wondered what he had left to offer. There he was 45 seconds in, cashing in on that rebound, and of course the team kind of took off from there. So you're right, Dave. I mean, look, the Islanders didn't just turn it over just because they wanted to. Tampa Bay deserves the credit for being so aggressive, and not only when it comes to the turnovers, guys, but I, I think when you look back at that first period in particular the other night, the Lightning were very, very active in terms of having somebody jump up into the play from the blue line, even more so than normal. I mean, it doesn't really take much to give Victor Hedman the green light. Uh, if he sees an opportunity uh, to make a three-on-two, a four-on-two, he's going to trail that play. 
and as such, he's piled up some big numbers here the past couple of postseasons. I know just the one postseason goal now as compared to 10 last summer, but you get the point. I, I think the Lightning were very, very impressive in terms of the way that they were aggressive out of the gate. They were going to force the issue. They were going to uh, jump guys into the play if they could. And, and I think they really put the Islanders back onto their heels collectively in that first period. And the Islanders in their own zone looked like a fire drill. I mean, that didn't look like a recognizable Islanders team by way of that quote-unquote structure that we allude to that they always seem to play with. Uh, again, it was just all on Tampa Bay, forcing the issue with New York and, and, and making them make mistakes and causing turnovers that they normally otherwise wouldn't make. And I think that that was part of the game plan going in, and they executed it to a T. Scott, I've said I think one of the big issues for the Islanders in this series, and if you want to call it an issue only being down one game, but understanding that the Lightning are up 3-2, is that when they've had pushes and times where they're in Tampa Bay's own zone and they're really pressuring, that on more than a couple of occasions, they haven't done anything with it, whether they've gone scoreless or whether they only have a one-goal lead. Does that speak to the difference in talent between the two teams that you can talk about structure and chances all you want with the Islanders, but if you don't do anything with those chances and you keep a team like Tampa Bay hanging around, eventually a team like Tampa with their work ethic but also skill level will beat you in a seven-game series. Well, and, and Greg, that's the question we've had about the Islanders the past couple of years too, right? I mean, are they going to have enough offense to get the job done? Do they have enough high-end skill to beat somebody like Tampa when it matters most. And I think the jury's still out on that, to say the least. And, look, Lou Lamorello won the General Manager of the Year, the Jim Gregory Award. Congratulations to the Hall of Famer for doing so. Uh, but he was also the guy that went out and orchestrated that deal with the New Jersey Devils to bring in Paul Mary and Zajac. And, look, Zajac was brought in mainly for his, his guile and his experience and expertise and a guy that's been down the, the block a few times. Uh, but I think that Paul Mary was brought in to be an offensive contributor. I think he's been relatively held in check here in this series. Uh, he didn't necessarily have a great uh, final month or so of the season for the Islanders. Uh, so that was the whole goal, was to go out and find the extra half goal per game. And to their credit, the Islanders, up until a couple of nights ago, had been scoring, I think, uh, pretty much as much as could have been hoped for, could have been expected. But you look at the rosters, and there's no comparison when you talk about the, the world-class high. Uh, you've got Matthew Barzell with the New York Islanders, I think is by far their most offensively skilled player. But there are a couple of guys on that roster with Tampa Bay that are difference makers. And I'm, I'm not quite sure at this point that we can say the same thing about the Islanders. So there, there's no question, I think, Greg, when you break it all down, if it comes down to a skills competition and who's got more offense and the ability to produce in big-time moments, uh, the advantage certainly lies with the defending Stanley Cup champions. Scott, as we speak early afternoon, we don't know yet the status of Eric Chernak and Jan Ruda and their availability to, to play tonight. If neither guy is able to play, and the Lightning have to plug a spot there with somebody who hasn't played yet in, in this playoff year, from the Islanders' perspective, how, how will Barry Trotz try and exploit that as the, the coach of the home team with the last change? Like, to the extent if McDonough and Savard play together and maybe that's the matchup that, that's going to be the shutdown pair, like who will Trotz try and get out against not McDonough and Savard essentially if, if, he, can, if he can orchestrate that matchup? 
Well, I, I think first of all, Dave, as you guys saw, I mean, Luke Shen did fairly well the other night filling in for Big Chernak. So I'm not sure they're expecting that type of offense from Luke Shen, but the fact that he dropped the mittens and almost did it a second time with Matt Martin when things got kind of testy was what Luke Shen's all about, right? And he's done really well towards the latter stages of his career producing in certain situations uh, like down there in Tampa. Uh, to answer your question, I think it comes down to Barzell, and you, ha- you make sure you have the Barzell line out there as much as you can to try to exploit changes or lack of depth perhaps with a couple of key guys being out for the, the lightning on the back end. Uh, so I think that's, that's the whole thing, is just to try to get Matthew Barzell going. That's always been a bit of a work in progress uh, this season, even going back to, to, to when Matthew Barzell was a bit of a healthy scratch earlier, which surprised a lot of people. Uh, but Barry Trotz expects a certain way of playing, a certain style of playing, and sure, it's great that you've got the best hands and you're the best skater on the team and you're one of the best distributors of the puck in the National Hockey League, but we need to see you play the all-round game. And that's what the Islanders have been all about. So I, I think that any time you get Barzell on the ice uh, is, a, is a good thing. Uh, I know it's been talked about, should he have been suspended, should he have been fined, and as it turned out, it was the latter and not the former. So I think Barzell on the ice as much as possible for the New York Islanders tonight would be part of the game plan definitely for Barry Trotz. Scott Lachlan from SiriusXM NHL Radio joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Scott, whoever has scored the first goal in this series has won. But in an elimination game, how big of a deal is that for the Islanders? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And, and, you know, when they got behind early on the other night, I said, okay, well, this is tough. And then they got behind by two. Then they got behind by three. And you're thinking, boy, are there any Matlock reruns uh, on, the, uh, on the cable unit that I'm paying for right now that we can get into? I say that, of course, jokingly. I wasn't about to turn into uh, to, to somebody watching Matlock. But uh, the game got away from the Islanders. It became very, very uncompetitive. Uh, they're not the type of team, although going into the other night, they had pretty much scored on par uh, as far as goals per game on average in the playoffs as Tampa Bay had. And, of course, uh, the Lightning, as they can do, uh, bring the offense to the table once again and throw up the eight spot. So, uh, look, when they got behind by a couple, I'm thinking this, this thing's done because this team is not built to play this way. So I think, Greg, I mean, the first goal tonight is, is uber important. The numbers, they're presented to us year after year after year at this time of the season. And when you score first, you win 72-plus percent of the games. Uh, and, again, for the Islanders, because of the reason that we talked about earlier, just not being built with high-end skill and high-end talent up front especially, uh, I think this is a team that can ill afford to give up that goal. So if Tampa Bay scores first tonight, I really like their chances of closing this thing out. If the Islanders can get up by one or two, perhaps they get to settle into their, their game and protecting the lead and such. And I know it's been something that Montreal's had a great deal of success with. The Islanders want to kind of do something like that tonight if they can score first. Scott, it's often said that you know stars are made in the playoffs where you know so many eyeballs are are on teams that go deep in the playoffs. Are you surprised that Adam Pellick has not gotten more recognition league wide for his elite ability as a defender? I have been so impressed with this guy, and we've had a chance to see him now two straight playoff years. But I mean, this is what. Six, seven series, if you include the play-in series, right? That that he has been involved in, and yet he's just not really a guy that you hear mentioned among elite defensemen. Why do you think that is, and and do you think it's coming soon? 
No, that's a great question. And I think he's gaining more and more recognition now. And that's what we've always said too, right? Dave, to your point, I mean, if you want to make a name for yourself, if you want to put yourself onto the North American radar in the hockey world, you've got to play deep into the playoffs with your team. You've got to play some major minutes and major situations. Uh, the Islanders have done that once again. He's done that once again, too. So he's starting to really, I think, get the recognition now he's starting to deserve. And, you know, he's been a real good uh, maturity uh, type thing to watch. I think when you, you look at the minutes he's taken on, the responsibility he takes on, uh, I think he's uh, got the ability to play in any different type of way. Uh, I think he's been so good. And, and, of course, you can't say Pelic without saying Pulock. It's just like, you know, straight and strike when you used to do those 100 games <laughs> yeah. with the Lightning back in the day when they had straight and strike on the blue line. Always a tongue twister, Dave, as you know. But Pelic and Pulock have both and been And Nelson and Nielsen. Now, got and Nelson and Nielsen, too. Upside, I think, in terms of the big slap shot that he's got, 100-plus miles per hour. But I think that when it comes to Adam Pelic in particular – uh, I think he's starting to get that recognition. Elliot Friedman was on our show a couple of weeks ago, and he comes on every Thursday morning with us, our NHL Network Radio Hockey Insider from Hockey Night in Canada and Rogers Sportsnet. And Fridge was saying that like, when it comes to his Norris Trophy ballot, like he's thinking about uh, a guy like him. Uh, not only for this season he was thinking about him, but he's thinking about him for the future as well. He might have had him you know, as a dark horse candidate for the Norris. Uh, maybe one of his top five guys, as we know, only three get nominated, and those have all been spoken for. Uh, but I tell you what, too, Dave, I mean, up here, Pellick's receiving so much in the way of recognition that some have him as a dark horse to maybe crack Team Canada should the NHLers go to the Olympics uh, coming up next year in Beijing, and we're still waiting on that decision uh, to be confirmed or denied. But that's how much respect he's garnering now, Adam Pellick. When you're talking about him internationally speaking as representing Canada at the highest level, uh, I think that's a pretty good tip of the cap as to where he was and where he's come to to this point. Scott Lachlan from Sirius XM NHL Radio joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Scott, Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point have been incredible, at least over the last two years, especially during these playoffs. Has there been a better duo in hockey? Mm, certainly not the last couple of months. I, I don't think the last couple of months we've seen anything. You could go back to last summer, too, of course, with those guys doing what they did for the Lightning en route to the Stanley Cup championship, too. And it's it's a real good symbiotic relationship where each plays off of each other and every benefits of all that. Uh, so, yeah, I'd be hard-pressed. I mean, normally you would have said going into the playoffs, hey, what about Pacioretty and Stone? Those guys are a pretty good combo out there in Vegas. But as we know, they've been uh, they've been stifled. I mean, they, they can't get untracked against the Montreal Canadiens in particular. And Mark Stone hasn't scored since he scored that overtime winner in Denver going back a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, so, yeah, right off the top of my head, for sure, slam dunk, it's Kucherov and it's point. I mean, you look at the Lightning right now, and again, they've got designs on clearly defending the Cup championship to win five more games and, and to close the deal. Uh, if you're looking at the best player on what could be the Stanley Cup winners right now, you could make the case certainly for Vasilevsky. You could make the case for Kucherov. You could make the case for Point. Uh, certainly the goals are not there from Hedman like they were when, when he did what he did last summer, but he's always on the present back there uh, playing the minutes that he's played as well, even though he's clearly not 100%. So I think when you get guys that are playing as well as they are, and you can go three or four deep when you talk about who's been your best player, I think it all adds up to a, a great deal of team success. But, but Kucherov and points have been light, uh, uh, excuse me, Braden Point, have been lights out good for the Tampa Bay Lightning so far, and I would expect that to continue perhaps as early as tonight. 
Scott, last one from me. I did want to get your thoughts on the Vegas Montreal series and, and being as somebody who has not watched every minute of every game in that series, it, it kind of felt like in the first three games for the majority of the time, Vegas was able to tilt the ice and, and carry play, <clears throat> excuse me, even if they weren't rewarded all the time. But that dynamic has changed drastically in the last two, and Vegas seemingly can't get anything going, and Montreal is imposing its will on, on the Golden Knights. How has that happened? How, how has the dynamic shifted so much in the last two? Understanding that like Vegas won game four and you know Montreal won games two and three, but, but just the way these games are, are being played, like Montreal appears to, to be really dictating the, the terms of how these games are being played, at least in the last two. Yeah, last night, Dave, the shots on goal in the first period were 6-6. Now, if that's not the way to demoralize or, or take the air out of the balloon of the 18,000-plus at T-Mobile Arena, I don't know what is. Uh, that was a pedestrian first period, which is exactly the way Montreal wanted to play it in that prototypical professional road game. Uh, they took the crowd out of it. They jumped on top and took advantage of some turnovers. Uh, how about this? I mean, eight and a half minutes into the game, and Montreal still doesn't have a shot on goal. The first shot on goal that Marc-Andre Fleury has to face last night is big Josh Anderson barreling in on him off the wing. He makes a tremendous stop but can't find the puck. Uh, and it's, of course, Kotkaniemi who beats Holden to the rebound and deposits the puck in the net. Then they take advantage of a couple of turnovers by Vegas. One results in a stall goal. The other one results in a Cole Caulfield goal. All of a sudden, it's 3 nothing for the visitors, and that crowd is quiet. It is eerily silent inside the fortress. Montreal doing everything you need to do as a road team to have success. And, again, we've seen some uncharacteristic mistakes, too, by Vegas. I mean, Mark Stone, I talked about the fact that he, he's pointless, basically going back to that game in Denver. Max Pacioretty finally scored last night. He double-clutched off a face-off and, and finally fired one past Carey Price. Uh, but not only are they not scoring the forwards from the Vegas Golden Knights, but last night we see Stone turn the puck over at the opposing blue line. Montreal transitions back, and again, at least the Cole Caulfield goal, too. So, uh, I mean, you look at it, and, and Montreal's done a fantastic job defensively. We went into this postseason saying, if Montreal's going to somehow beat Toronto, Carey Price has to stand on his head. If they're going to beat Winnipeg, well, you know, Winnipeg's had some time off here, and, well, Carey Price is going to have to be Carey Price. Well, he was really good, but he wasn't exactly standing on his head. We've seen him in games in the series play so very well. But to your point, Dave, the last couple of games, they haven't needed Carey Price to be otherworldly. Uh, they have done it themselves. They have kept Vegas to the outside. They really rely on their top two defensive pairings right now a whole heck of a lot. They're big and they're strong and they're physical. And despite the fact that their captain, Shea Weber, and Jeff Petrie are far from 100%, they're playing hurt. Uh, they're still doing a fantastic job. Carey Price is able to see each and every shot that comes his way. He stops it. They can clear the rebounds. I know it sounds simplistic, but that recipe for success has worked for Montreal. They are giving him clear sight lines. And again, whether it's Vasilevsky, as you guys know, or Carey Price, the reality is when they can see it, they can stop it. And right now, Montreal and their big defense uh, are, are really doing a great job in, in keeping the shot lanes clear for Carey Price to see. If the shots get through, he can see them, he'll stop them. It's been a remarkable story because we know that Montreal was nip and tuck just to make the postseason. Tomorrow's a holiday in Montreal, so everybody's off. 
And what better way to celebrate, they would think, in the province of Quebec than with a victory in Game 6 against the Golden Knights coming up tomorrow night. Mm, that'd be a lot of fun. Scott, last question on my end. We're here with Scott Lachlan from Sirius XM NHL Radio. Two things I think have changed over the last few years in hockey. I'm curious your response to this. Home ice advantage is not a big advantage anymore, and the two-goalie tandem, particularly in the playoffs, when did that change happen with the goalies? And is that because teams don't have a legit number one and just want to go with the hot hand? Do you think that's sustainable? Boy, that's a great question, Greg. Uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm probably going to think back. I mean, when Minnesota first came in, uh, they had, as we remember, Dwayne Rollison and Manny Fernandez. Remember, they had Dwayne Rollison, Manny Fernandez, one-two punch in net, two-one punch in net. They went all the way to the final four, if memory serves me correctly, some 20 years ago. Uh, that's kind of where it, it started for me. Uh, sure, you had Marty Berdur doing what he did, playing in every game, and they won the Cup in 2003. Uh, we think back to Habby Boulin, certainly down there in Tampa in 2004, and he was the guy throughout Vasilevsky last summer, pretty much plays every minute of every game, and they win the Stanley Cup. Uh, but there have been those situations, too, uh, where it's popped up, where you go with the hot hand. I think in the, the case of the Golden Knights, because that's what we're looking at right now, Pete DeBoer, you know, wondering who his starter is going to be from night to night, and that'll be the case again coming up tomorrow in Montreal for game number six, who will start in goal, and ultimately is it going to make a difference because the goalies can't score, and that team right now is, is hurting for offense. Uh, but I, I think I, I look at it like Vegas has two number ones. I think we'd all concede that. Um, I think in that case, maybe you do go with the hot hand. Um, and that's why it kind of surprised me that Marc-Andre Fleury got pulled uh, the other night and did not play when we thought that maybe he'd get another do-over at it. Uh, he goes to Robin Leonard as Pete DeBoer. He stops 27 shots. Okay, my theory is if you win, you're in. It'll be Leonard starting the next game. And then last night we saw Marc-Andre Fleury. So I, I really have no idea as to who will start in goal tomorrow night. But to answer your question, Greg, when did it change? We've seen instances, I mean, maybe 06, when you talk about Marty Gerber starting the first two games for Carolina, they fall behind 0-2 to Montreal. Then they go to Montreal in game three, and Cam Ward's the starting goaltender. The rest, as they say, was history as Cam Ward goes on to win the Conn Smythe, and they win the Stanley Cup in 2006 in Carolina, too. So I think we're seeing certain instances where it happens. I think in Tampa's case, of course, they've got a clear-cut number one, and you ride him throughout, whether he's overworked or, or just with the right rest. Uh, I think you just have a number one and you go from there. Other teams perhaps have two number ones or maybe one and two that they're not quite sure about. And in that case, Greg, you do, as you say, and suggest ride the hot hand. What's interesting, too, with DeBoer, it feels like, Scotty, that he wants to go to Leonard. I don't know if mm -hmm. you get that sense, but Marc-Andre Fleury had such a fantastic regular season, and he's won a lot of games in this league. It's It's probably hard to justify that move. But I get the sense, and I, I just don't know if it's good for the psyche of each goaltender. Maybe that's why they have to be so mentally strong. But do you get the sense that DeBoer is, is looking for an opportunity to play Leonard but really couldn't commit the whole way because of how good Flurry was this year? Yeah, I do. I do. I've talked to a number of fans out in Vegas. And again, fans being fans, they're going to see things through a certain lens and a certain perspective. But I've talked to a number of fans out in Vegas that, their theory is, and being around this team as much as they are, 
Pete DeBoer's always had this, this liking for Robin Leonard, and I think maybe that's filtered upstairs into the front office because they gave Leonard the contract, and everybody thought Marc-Andre Fleury was good as gone. Alan Walsh had the tweet last season, as we know, with the, the sword right. through Marc-Andre Fleury, huh. and it just became really, really tough to see that play out that way. And, and then it got to the point where we thought, okay, well, Fleury's obviously leaving in the offseason, and then you're thinking, well, Leonard's coming off some surgery. Can you really rush the future Hall of Famer Flurry out the door? They decided to keep Flurry, and they were good on doing so because Flurry, as we've seen, is up for the Vezina Trophy and has never won one at this latter stage of his career. It's it's a real good not sword through 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 himself, but a feather in his cap with how well he's played. Now they've had Leonard come back and and get an opportunity to play in a couple of games here too. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think that for whatever reason, Pete DeBoer has always firmly embraced Leonard, and maybe that's not been the case with Marc-Andre Fleury. Now it's strange because you're right, Greg. At this point, I mean, what do you do? And like I said, ultimately it doesn't matter. They're not scoring anyway. I mean, they got a goal last night from Pacioretty. Nicholas Waugh scored twice. Matthias Janmark scored once in this series, and that's it. The rest of the offense has been originating from the blue line core. They've had seven different defensemen score in the playoffs. The guys up front haven't brought it. And the goaltender can't score the last we checked. So I'm not sure who, it, who will start in goal tomorrow night. I'm not sure it really matters, quite frankly. They've got a couple of good ones. But with all that's been going on out there, I wouldn't be shocked in the offseason once again if you revisit an opportunity to perhaps see Marc-Andre Fleury end up somewhere else. Mm. It's just fascinating to watch. Scotty, as always, we appreciate you coming on. Let people know when they can listen to your program breaking down all this playoff hockey. Well, we're on every day on the NHL Morning Skate, NHL Network Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 91, and we're on every day at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 a.m. Pacific. I join up with the guys at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 Pacific. Uh, I'm on till about 11 o'clock Eastern each and every day. Usually Mike Johnson, former Tampa Bay Lightning member, is my co-host. Uh, and we just uh, break it all down, whether it's talking about the night before, looking ahead to the night that will be. Uh, we enjoy doing it. There are fewer and fewer teams to talk about. Business will be soon picking up, as you guys know, uh, when it comes to the expansion draft and uh, things of that nature. The draft, of course, coming up late next month in about uh, one month's time. So we'll look forward to that as well, as much of a crapshoot as that's going to be uh, here in 2021 due to obvious circumstances. Uh, but as you guys know, too, the business of hockey never stops. There's always a lot and something to talk about. No doubt about it. You guys do a great job there. Scotty, thank you as always, and um, hopefully we'll talk to you again uh, pretty soon. Thanks, thank Scott. You, sir. All right. Outstanding. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Scotty Lachlan from Sirius XM NHL Radio. If you want to react to anything he had to say, you can at Bolts Radio. We'll come back and give you our keys to the game tonight. Take some questions as well. If you want to break down what Scott had to say, we can get into that too uh, for you on this show. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linnelli. Steve Versnick is producing on Lightning Power Play. Don't have a ticket for a home playoff game in the arena? Secure your seat right outside of Amelie Arena on Ford Thunder Alley for our Lightning Plaza parties presented by Pepsi Zero Sugar. Tickets start at $5 with a portion of the proceeds benefiting Lightning Foundation charities. You'll enjoy live music, giveaways, and more while cheering on the boats. All-inclusive options are also available. For more details and to purchase your tickets, head to tampabaylightning.com slash playoffparties. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. 
Always good to catch up with our good friend Scott Lachlan from Sirius XM NHL Radio. We always appreciate his analysis there. Greg Lanelli, Dave Mishkin with you, along with Steve Ersnick. Dave, let's get to some questions there, unless there's anything you wanted to recap with Scotty and uh, what he had to say, but I felt like he was... Um, Very you know, thorough as yeah, usual. Which we like, you know, and... Uh, be interesting to see the Kucherov point dynamic down the road. You hear so much about McDavid and Dreisaitl, but doing it when it matters the most a lot of times elevates your status. Not that those guys are looking for it, but it's a fun conversation to have, and those numbers those guys are putting up over the last two years has been pretty incredible. Yeah. So it'll be fun to watch You know what they're able to do tonight in a, um, a must-win situation, certainly for the Islanders. Uh, Champa Bay Chris says, Guys, just out of curiosity... When was the last time the Bolts, or any team for that matter, chased the starting goalie at least once in each of the first three rounds? I have no idea, but that's a good question. Well, when you say chase, like in the Carolina series, the starter finished every game. It's just they yeah. switched goalies in between games. And sometimes teams do that for reasons other than what the other side is doing right like we heard about this stat that what was it Sorokin and, and Varlamov each had four wins in the playoffs Correct. and they had they cited yeah. those other instances yes I asked Phil about the 72 Bruins he remembered Jerry Cheevers and I didn't see the goalies who played on the 72 Bruins but it, I, I figured Cheevers was one but Eddie Johnston was the other and they they both played a lot during that playoff run, and they mm -hmm. won the Stanley Cup. So there you go, Greg. <laughs> go back to 1972, go back. Go where back. they split the goalies uh, en route to the Stanley Cup for the Bruins, and that might not have been something that the other team was doing, but both goalies ended up playing. But I understand the question, and I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer to that. We'll have our um, our stats team maybe look that up for us. We've got multiple people right now working in – <laughs> but I'll say this, like if you have a long playoff run, sometimes you get a game where you're on the wrong end of a lopsided score and you do see the backup come in. We saw that in the 2015 run for the Lightning yeah. with Ben Bishop and Vasilevsky. No doubt. Vasilevsky came in relief in a second round series game against Montreal. The Lightning were getting blown out. That was game four. They were up three nothing. Yeah. But they decided to, to rest Bishop mm -hmm. and Vasi came in. Lightning won the series, but he that did. can happen. That's it's what fun. happened with the Islanders in in the last game. It's fun looking back at Vassy's career and when he got that taste of his first postseason run. You know, people yeah. maybe forget. I mean, it's it was touring a Stanley Cup run. I mean, he's got a yeah. lot of experience. And then experience. he had to come in relief due to a Bishop injury yeah. in game two of the Stanley did. Cup final and got the win. And really hard to do. game four. Yep. And lost that game, but only allowed two goals. Valuable experience that you would think is paying off right now. Jake Ricker says no game seven for the Bolts since 2018, and we're still undefeated after the loss in the last two postseasons. Have to play a full 60 minutes, but I like where we sit right now. I, I think a lot of people do. Yeah. Doesn't mean you know, you're going to win it. You know, I guess I'm, I'm changing my, my hard line stance about, you know, pass is not prologue. What's happened in, in previous playoff runs has no bearing at all 
And I think if you're looking at like, well, the Lightning in 2003 did this, okay, that has no bearing on on what is happening here. But to the extent that some of these players have been through previous playoff runs, and that may help them, I certainly, we touched on this at the start of the show, like the Washington series. I hope that 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 is something that the Lightning players who played in that series remember well, and, and how precious and fleeting this opportunity can be because it can slip through your fingers pretty quickly and you want to make sure that you treat this game with the level of respect if that's the right word or significance or gravity that it deserves there's another thing too here like we are expecting the islanders to come out and play like they're they're gonna bash through the wall And sometimes we see teams do that when they're facing elimination and they come out of the gates roaring. But sometimes we see teams feel their way into a game too when they're facing elimination. And it's not that they don't have urgency and they don't feel desperation, but how it manifests itself. Like they don't want to get out of position. They don't want to fall behind, right? Mm -hmm. And how are you going to, how are you going to approach that? You know, we've talked about it on our show, and I'm sure the Islanders are aware of the fact that, like, it's really important to get the first goal, right? So I don't know if this is going to happen, but do they do they play it a little more cautiously in hopes that they don't get scored on first? We'll see. So what is the stat with Vassy the last six playoff series? where they've had an opportunity to clinch, he's posted a shutout. Is that right? Do I have that right? I think it is. Mm, they have to go back Well, to... no, because they like they had an opportunity to beat Florida in game five, and they lost that game. So uh, however however you're phrasing it... Whatever. There, he there's has, a, he there's has a had stat a shutout when in a, in a win series. that has clinched a series for the That's Lightning. It. In the That's last it. three, he has delivered a shutout. Gotcha. I, I don't know. I don't think the Lightning care about that. They just want to win tonight. No, I'm just curious. Whether is that it's a, a shutout like, you, or that stat is or interesting. Seven six because it's one thing to win; it's another thing to be locked in, dialed in, right? And to get a shot. I'm I'm interested about that stat. I think that's I, but I'm one not, thing. One thing that is is consistent with that, Greg. Thinking back, Game Six against Dallas in the final last year, Game Six against Florida this year, first round, Game mm-hmm. Five in Carolina this year. The Lightning have played so well defensively. In front of him, yeah. In all three of those games, right. It's not like they haven't allowed a chance for the whole no, game. They have, no, no. But but they have they have managed that game very well. That clinching win where they've gotten a shutout, where Vasilevsky has gotten a shutout. But really, I think it's been as much a team shutout in all for those, sure. In all for those sure. Games. I, I think they're, it's just very interesting that number pops out because it probably speaks to how well the team in general has closed out series the last two years. And a lot of that is goaltending. But again, I think it goes back and reinforces the point we've made. And what I've tried to make is that there's a little bit of a different mindset for the lightning tonight than in previous games, previous series. When you have an opportunity to close it out, everybody's made, you know, a big deal and rightfully so that we anticipate the Islanders playing better. What does that mean? Okay. Do do they come out? Guns a blazing, or do they just come back, play a structured game, and and limit right. Tampa Bay's Patient. chances? Patient, whatever that is, Patient game. We yeah. expect them to be better, 
But I, I do think there is something to be said for how the Lightning have approached these type of games over the last two years. And that is something that the Islanders are going to have to be cognizant of as well, because the Lightning have shown an ability to be very good in this type of situation. So we will see if that plays out, and I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. Our coverage is going to start at 7 o'clock with the pregame skate show. Brian Burns, Kaylee Chelios, and Bobby the Chief Taylor. I'll have the network pregame at 730 and then, of course, Dave and Phil have the action. Game's going to start a little bit after. It looks like 8.15. But, uh, Dave, any closing thoughts on the game tonight? You know, that team who scores first will be interesting to see if if the Islanders give up that first goal. What does that do for them? Is there panic yeah. that starts to set in a bit? Or are they just going to stay disciplined and, and wait for their chances? Because they have gotten chances in this series uh, for the most part, Vasse, I think, has done a, a pretty good job of keeping those pucks out of the net um, collectively. Well, the Lightning are 2-1 and one this postseason in games that they've had a chance to eliminate the opponent. And the one loss after where they lamented the fact that they didn't play with an urgency level that you need to eliminate a really good opponent. Yeah. So I don't know if I have a ton of keys tonight, but I think that is a paramount part of the formula to a lightning win. Their urgency, desperation level, and whether it manifests itself on the other side as the Islanders are, are just forechecking like crazy or they're just really super structured and and really tight in, in how they are playing and not giving up any time and space, like it can manifest itself in a variety of ways. But for the Lightning, they have to make sure that their level is is certainly on par with what they're going to see from the opposition. And then let the chips fall where they may. I'll make one prediction tonight. I don't think the Lightning get more than two power play chances. Now, whether that means the Islanders get more than that, I don't know. But I think this is going to be ha- this is going to be a game where Tampa Bay's got to win at five on five. They're not gonna. They're not gonna be able to rely on special teams, uh, specifically the power play. I hope I'm wrong because I think that is a big part of what Tampa Bay does, and uh, rightfully so with all the skill that they have. I don't know if that's gonna be a factor tonight for them in terms of getting those chances, and I think they're gonna have to do it the old-fashioned way, just beat them five on five, and we'll see if that plays out. But uh, I think the Lightning show up tonight, and there will be a a very very good chance that they come away with a win. But we'll see, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Yep. Either way, we'll be back here tomorrow. Babe, thank you. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Yep, talk to you soon. Thanks to Steve Verstick as well and Scott Lachlan from SiriusXM NHL Radio. I am Greg Lanelli. Stay with us throughout the day starting at 7. And, of course, re-listen to the show if you want to as well. I am Greg Lanelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.